Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome into Bird's Eye View Extra Innings. When it comes to the Orioles, Bird's Eye View is your official podcast for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. You know, Scott Magnus, we fired up the mics tonight because it, it seems that with recent offseason developments, Orioles fans might need a little bit of that baseless opinion, and well, we are here to provide it. Yes, we're here for breaking news. When things feel like breaking, I feel like I stole that from somebody. <laughs> All right, so we don't really do news. As everyone knows by now, Nick Markakis has reportedly signed a deal with the Atlanta Braves. He's going back home to Georgia. He's going to be paid $44 million over four years. Uh, reports had come out slowly over the week uh, showing that the Orioles and Nick Markakis were further and further apart, and then uh, the report uh, came out that he was less likely to return than he was to come back to the Orioles, and sure enough, uh, Nick Markakis is now a former Oriole. Uh, Scotty, there's going to be a lot of talk about this. Let's break it on down. What Good a, move, a lot bad of talk, move yeah, for the team and for the player. Um, I'm just going to say it out loud. You know, I think you've already expressed this very well on on the twats, and that's, you know, from a baseball business standpoint, it's probably a good move because Nick Markakis isn't going to be the same player you know, in four years as he was. But the same point is it's very tough as a fan to lose your longest tenured player and a very good guy in the community. Simple as that. Yeah, I, I love Nick Marquez. I love rooting for Nick Marquez. I love Nick Marquez being, you know, one of the guys that is identified with our team. Uh, you know, he he is now from here. You know, this is the place that he's decided to make his home. He wanted to make a connection to the team, to the community. He couldn't be a, a better, you know, more stand-up guy. For all the wrong reasons, I wanted Nick Markakis to return to the Orioles. For for all of the dumb baseball gut, uh, wear your heart on your sleeve reasons, I wanted Nick Markakis to be an Oriole. But let's talk a little bit about the baseball player and not the great guy. Um, you and I pay a lot of atten- attention to Dan Zabrowski over at uh, ESPN because of his Zips pr- uh, predictions. And you pulled out um, one of his tweets from this evening where he broke it down for us. And I was hoping, since you're the stat guy and I don't know numbers, that you could help us make a little bit of sense of that. Sure. So, um, you know, there's been countless articles about Nick Markakis over the past 48 hours on Fangrass, ESPN. Um, uh, Rosenthal wrote an article as well regarding why the Orioles may not have re-signed uh, him. But just going through the statistics... Uh, Nick Markakis' numbers have just been, you know, constantly dwindling over the past few seasons, and even coming into today, and uh, you know, looking at future years for 2015, 16, 17, and 18, which his contract will go through. Uh, Dan Zabrowski's projections through the Zip systems, which is pretty highly acclaimed, 
Um, has Nick Markakis being a 1.2 war player, a 0.8 player, a 0.4 a war player, and a 0.1 war player in 2018. And that's not even accounting that, you know, he's the defense of him just by himself. He's just an average defender in those Zips projections. Now, people can make that argument saying he's a much better Zips, uh, he's a much better defensive player. But in all honesty, uh, Nick Markakis isn't going to be the same player that he's been in the past. In fact, he hasn't been that same player for several years now. So for people to think that all of a sudden he's going to turn it on and be the superstar again, not likely, folks. Um, not likely. So, yeah. And and before we go any further, I mean, I don't want either you uh, as as being a dispassionate, uh, objective uh, baseball analyst that I think that you are. I don't want you, especially, nor me, to be uh, seen as you know crapping on Nick Markakis now that he's yeah. gone to try to justify the fact that the team made the move. I, I think that you and I both have a fondness and an appreciation for what Nick Markakis is, but I think that we need to set what that is with our emotions aside. I, I think that's what this exercise is, correct? The, uh, yeah, the article that was on Fangrass today, judging about why there's this bidding war going on for Nick Markakis right now, summed it up very well at the very end, and it's Nick Markakis is an average, if not maybe a slightly above average, you know, outfielder, but he's nothing special. Um, and that whole aspect of being nothing special raises the question of, does he deserve a contract that is in that $11 million range? And it's hard to say yes to that, especially given consideration that by the time he finishes up this contract, he's going to be in his mid-30s. Um, and just the likelihood that he'll succeed and continue to be dominant is not likely, so... Sure. Now, you you talked about war, and uh, for once, I'm not going to make fun of you for this, but to to dumb this down to my level, um, some interesting Zips projections that I think more people can grab a hold of is to look at, as this uh, contract goes on, Nick Markakis is projected, as far as number of games played, to play 143, 118, 110, and then down to 99 games in that final year, what will be uh, 2018 in that contract. Now, that's really impossible to project with any clarity but i think that that's something you can probably look at the player and say yes he's played just about every day except for in that one injury uh shortened season in 2012 you know he's very reliable but at the same time father time waits for no one and eventually i'm not sure he's going to be an 11 million dollar player in 2018 in his mid-30s right uh, another one that really I thought that was interesting was uh, Nick Petrilio, um in the Fangrass article today looked at his batted ball distances over the past few years. And I thought this was a really interesting thing because we've always talked about, you know, uh, Nick Marquez's ability to hit doubles has seemed to decrease over the years. So, Jake, just to break this out, in 2009 and 2010, he was hitting around a 290-foot uh, batted ball distance during that time. And then it's slowly starting to dwindle. And especially in 2013 and 14, in 2013, it dropped down all the way down to 271.22. In 2014, it dropped all the way down to 267.92. That puts him as the 225th uh, best batted ball player in all of Major League Baseball. That doesn't seem like a very um, solid contact player. Now, when the offseason began, uh, you and I talked on this program about how we thought that the contract negotiations for Nick Markakis should go down and what the threshold should be. And I, I don't want to put words in your mouth with my fuzzy memory, but am I remembering correctly that we wanted something around the the area of three years, $30 million? That is what I remember off the top of my head as well. Okay, because I'm thinking about it. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, 
I would have liked Nick Marcakis. You know, I, again, I want to I want to be clear. We're not poo pooing Nick Marcakis because he signed elsewhere. Poo poo. I would have liked to have seen Nick Marcakis continue in an Orioles uniform, but I didn't want it, the contract to hamstring the team, and I didn't want to be watching a declining Nick Marcakis in a way that would you know break my heart you know even worse. Um, so uh, I, you know, the difference then is you know three for thirty. Let's just say that's you know somewhere near what the team was thinking up to four uh, for, for 44. You know, you're talking about $11 million total difference. So let's talk a little bit about the the motivations that Nick Marcakis had for this. Right there, you know, money. You know, we know this is a business. Uh, right there, what I would have given him versus what he got, it's an $11 million difference. Do you think the Orioles were in the ballpark, or do you think it was really the difference of that last year and then the total value in the contract? I think it's that difference of that last year, the three-year to four-year, but it's interesting that there's been all these rumors and speculations, not just in the media, but also from people we've talked to saying that the Orioles are willing to go to four years. It's interesting that, um, that perhaps the Orioles weren't willing to go to four years, and maybe there was always three years, and maybe the four years was more agent talk more so than the Orioles front office wanting to go to that fourth year. Yeah. Well, the the other option, and this is something that we're obviously speculating at this point, and that's all we can do. Do you think that's the, the point of this podcast? Have, right? Do you think that the relationship may have soured a bit during the negotiations? I mean, do you think that Nick Marcakis, his representation, you know, Team Nick, could have felt uh, slighted during the the process, and that drove him away from the Orioles? Um, I think that's be- real, really big speculation. I don't think we can even go that direction. Uh, if you know, there, I saw a tweet today saying if the Orioles would have got this done a month ago, this would never have been an issue. Meh, I think I think they really wanted to see what Nick Marcakis got on the free agent market, and Nick Marcakis got that extra year. For, so great, congratulations! It's, I just don't think it was it would, was the move that the Orioles wanted or needed to make at this time. Okay, um, I, I think you're probably right. Um, I think that you don't undo nine years of a relationship. It it kind of sounds to me like they did the Ravens thing, where they said, "Hey, go out and see what you can get. Touch base with us. This is our offer." you know, let us know before you leave. I, I would agree. But Jake, bottom line, Nick Marcakis is gone. Um, he's he's no longer in the organization. He's part of the Atlanta Braves now. Um, I'd like to take a quick break, um, and I'd like to go through and look at what does this mean in terms of, you know, possible future uh, and finding a replacement for Nick Marcakis at this time. So uh, give that some thoughts, and uh, we'll be right back. Wednesday morning at five o'clock as the day begins. Silently closing her bedroom door, leaving the note that she hoped would say more. She goes downstairs to the kitchen, clutching her handkerchief. Quietly turning the back door key Stepping outside she is free She We gave the most of our lives All right, Jake. Uh, so uh, with that very, very somewhat depressing Beatles song, um, you know, we've got to look towards the future now. You've lost Nelson Cruz and Nick Marcakis. 
um, within you know a half a week. Um, so what does this mean, and how can the Orioles replace Nick Markakis in the lineup? Let's not even give consideration to Nelson Cruz. Let's just look at Nick Markakis. So, Jake, some free agent candidates to consider. One that's been thrown out is Nori Aoki. Um, he's a leadoff guy, comparable to Nick Markakis in terms of statistics, and also in defensive. But again, people have said that he'll have to he'll get a short commitment. Probably somewhere in the ballpark of like two years and maybe $8 million per year. So two for 16 might be able to get someone like Yoyoki. And then the Orioles have also been linked to Michael Morse as well. But Jake, one of the interesting things that was pointed out today by Rockabaco is um, he has the same agent as Grant Balfour. And uh, the Orioles were not aware of the wrist injury that he had in 2013 when he, they traded for him. So that seems like an internal strike against him and a strike against, well, Grant Balfour's agent that I don't know if the Orioles really want to deal with a person that has already been shady before in physical attributes and then have to go back to that agent and deal with him again. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think at this point, the best option on the free agent market for the Orioles to replace a Nick Markakis is an Aoki. Um, you know, I, I like what he brings as far as being able to be at the top of the, uh, the lineup. Um, I think that he plays a capable, um, uh, outfield. I also think that he's not a guy that you necessarily have to play every day. And I think that's important because the Orioles have a lot of valuable pieces that may be a platoon uh, option. And I think we'll get to some of those in a little bit when we talk about um, options within the organization. But I, I think Aoki really fits the Orioles needs and, and fits the Orioles, you know, budget a lot better than some of the other options. Okay, I can I understand that to a certain certain extent. Um, one person that interests me to a certain regard, but I'm a little bit worried about um, in terms of the outfield free agent market would be Colby Rasmus. Um, Colby Rasmus is interesting from the Blue Jays because again, if you look at his numbers over the past few years, he hasn't been that much different than Mark Marquez. And even in 2013, he had a banner year offensively, um, posting a 129 weighted. Are, are weighted runs created plus not to mention Jake. He's only 26 years old and is going to be a free. Or, I'm sorry. He's only 28 years old and a free agent. He's also another left-handed bat that's out there, um, which is interesting to me. Um, you know, the predominantly he's been playing center field, but I don't think there would be any issue to move him over to left field or over to right field if necessary. Um, if the Orioles so chose. Okay. Um, I don't love this player first. Uh, and is it foremost. because he's from Canada? No, no, it has nothing to do with my my lack of of love for Canada. No, first and foremost, it's stupid facial hair. Okay, um, I think that I would have a difficult time rooting for Rasmus with the stupid facial hair. Um, secondly, if I'm not mistaken, hasn't Rasmus, Rasmus been something of a bugaboo for the Orioles pitching staff? He has been. Okay. Last thing, and this is an actual point, I promise. Um, you know, I just I just beamed about Aoki because he can uh, be part of a platoon situation. But Rasmus has had a hard time staying on the field. The last three years, you've got uh, in 2012, he played in 151 games. That's that's great. That's excellent. 2013, he played in 118. And 2014, he was only on the field for 104 games. Um, so, you know, there are some issues there as far as when he's actually available to you. I would agree with you. Injuries concerns are uh, paramount, especially for an individual that has been injured that often and he's only 28 years old. 
But again, that might fit the Dan Duquette mold of, hey, we could make a deal here. Uh, you know, we can take somebody with some history problems. In this case, it's injuries. We can get a good deal. And for a short commitment, that might be just what the doctor ordered. That, um, that's, that's possible. But, you know, looking at the free agent candidates that are out there, uh, there is a reason that why Nick Marcakis was signed, and that's because the free agent class that's out there in this given year is very, very, very weak. Um, and Nick Marcakis, you know, like we said, is perhaps an above average player, and he took advantage of that as well and said, okay, once Nelson Cruz is signed, I may be the next best free agent out there that doesn't require a first round draft pick to be given up. So, you know, kudos for the Braves for, you know, popping in there and getting the person. That might be the best outfielder out there that didn't require a qualifying offer draft pick to be given up. And again, they had a need. They had a need because they dealt Hayward out to the uh, to the Cardinals to get uh, Shelby Miller. Yeah. Um, let's look within the organization, though, for potential replacements. You have Steve Pierce and you've got Alejandro Diaz coming back. Um, that would be an interesting, you know, platoon type situation with a lefty ready combination as well. Or, you know, you can always put one in left field and one in right field and bat them 600 plate appearances and see what they do. My only concern with that is Diaz was absolutely horrible last year against left-handed uh, pitchers. So it'd be hard to imagine him getting, you know, that many plate appearances against left-handed hitters. Can I ask you a question? I'm asking out of ignorance, not because I'm going to challenge you here. Um, Alejandro Diaz, if I'm not mistaken, really struggled in his season with the White Sox, correct? He was um, below average, and, yes. And, and he came over and he, and he put together a, a bit better of a performance. Um, all I can remember from him at the plate, honestly, is that triple that he hit during clinchmas. Um, but do you think that his struggles against left-handed, or his struggles that, that you mentioned were more of his performance uh, that we saw in, in Chicago, or was it also um, clear in his time with the Orioles. Look, Again, I, I ask out of ignorance. Look, the you know the Orioles got him just for September. It's far too small of a sample size just to look at September and say, oh, he turned the curve. More than likely, he's going to regress to somewhere where he's been over the past two or three years. And it's not like, oh, magically coming to Baltimore, he's going to improve dramatically. So let's not get that notion of the way he was during the postseason run. And uh, in September, he's going to be that dramatically better. All right. Uh, Scotty, get your get your drumsticks out. You ready to beat this drum? All right, let's beat this drum. Who who else is available in-house for the Orioles to play right field next year? Well, I think the one person that is really of interest to me and the person that you hate with an absolute passion is David Lowe. All right. So I just want to make sure I'm clear here. You want to hand the keys to right field for 160-plus games to David Lowe and hope right? I think it would be very interesting to use um, Steve Pierce in pretty much 600 plate appearances, but perhaps use David Lowe and Alejandro Deaza as a platoon outfielder. Um, I, I think that you're right in this case. I, I hope that, what was the that Orioles, I'm sorry. What, was that? what did you say? No. Yeah. You, you heard me. You're right. Okay. You can mark that down. Go ahead. I'll, I'll wait while you write it. Put it on the board. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that the Orioles go out and get somebody. I, I hope that they go out and get a real ball player. I hope that they get somebody that's not only capable in the field, and all they need is capable, but capable in the field and an impact bat. But if they don't do that, 
If they don't do that, I think that the season that Steve Pierce had last year is every bit of a justification to turn to him and say, okay, kid, you earned it. You're going to at least be a platoon starter in right field next year. And I would have reservations, but I'd be okay with it if the other half of that platoon was David Lowe. And I say that because if they do not address the left field situation, I think that Alejandro Diaz may be the left field starter next year. I would much prefer that Pierce and one of Lowe and Diaz be a platoon for one of the outfield corner spots. Um, I, I think that that's probably a better position for everybody to succeed and to put everybody into the bats that's going to make them successful. Um, but I, I think at the very least, that's probably a situation that won't be awful. No, I don't, I don't think it'd be awful. I just think that most Orioles fans are going to look at that and say that's a downgrade. And I'm not sure if I can completely disagree with them. But statistically, looking at the numbers and the projections, there's a possibility that an Alejandro de Aza and David Lowe platoon um, with a full season of Steve Hurst may be just as, as um, efficient as Nick Markakis was out there offensively. And, and like I said, ever since 2012, where Nick Markakis got hit in the hand, Nick Markakis hasn't been the same player like we expected him to be. So I hate to be the Debbie Downer, but I'm going to be the Debbie Downer. All right. Well, let's let's talk about a, a couple of dark horse candidates uh, from within the organization. Um, as far as, as outfielder depth is concerned, um, probably next man up, if you had to, is what? Dariel Alvarez? Dariel Alvarez is probably your best outfielder in your minor league organization at this time. Um, he's got, you know, the ability to hit pretty well. He's, you know, got okay, slightly above average defense, good range, decent enough arm. But I don't think he's ready at this time, and I don't even think he'd be ready until midseason at the best. So if the Orioles are going to put all their eggs in the basket and hope that he's ready, I don't see that as a likely scenario coming out of spring training. Sorry, just, right. just being honest. No, I just don't think it's time. No, that's, that's fine. I'm not passionate about Daryl Alvarez in any, any way, shape, or form. Um, something I saw on the Twitters uh, tonight, which kind of amused me, is I saw a lot of Henry Urrutia retweeting people that said, all right, Henry, it's your turn. Next man up, you're the guy. Um, because I'm sorry, Henry Urrutia, that's, that's not going to happen. Is that a Urrutia? <laughs> you know, if this were the Baltimoreans and we were a better podcast, we would have had a slew of puns ready. Okay. But uh, we just, we don't. Yeah, that was, uh, I agree with you. That was interesting. I kept seeing all those comments to Henry Gudia and him retweeting each one. And I'm like, that might not be the right time to be doing this right now. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I did not think it, it struck the right note. And probably somebody will take him aside and let him know that. Yeah, that's a possibility. If not, they'll just put him on a raft and send him back. Oh, geez. All right. Uh, last thing I want to mention, and I know that you and I disagree on this, but I'm curious as to what your take would be. Um, look, first base, Chris Davis has been tendered a contract. He's going to start. He's going to be given every opportunity to be good again. Right behind him in the depth chart, you've got Steve Pierce, who, again, may be required to uh, play uh, an outfield position. Uh Beyond that, you've got Ryan Flaherty, who's the kind of that super utility. There are a lot of guys that we have for first base. And so in the minors, we've got Christian Walker, who was brought up for a cup of coffee at the end of the last season, who was able to play first base. But I think the Orioles are really intrigued by his bat and what he can bring offensively at the major league level. 
my question to you, Scott, is, is there any way that you could see, even in a platoon situation, that Christian Walker might be shifted to the corner outfield, and at this point I'm thinking right field, um, so that he would have an opportunity to play, um, you know, I would assume first at AAA and then at the major league level, um, to get beyond that first base log jam? No. No, hell no, actually, is actually the right determination. There is no way that Christian Walker is being moved to the outfield and will be taking balls in the corner outfield, right field, left field, whatever it may be. Uh, it's not going to happen, Jake. Sorry. You're okay. wrong. No, I I will take you're an idiot as an answer. No, you, you are an idiot in this regard. It's what I like to hear. Thank yeah. you, Scotty. No problem. That, that was probably the stupidest thing I've ever heard on this podcast. <laughs> and I am happy to provide. Um, real quick, door number three um, is, you know, we've talked about the the free agent options. We've talked about some of the in-house options. There's door number three, which is the trade market. And this is, I mean, we might as well grab a dartboard. It could be anybody if the <laughs> Orioles decide to resolve this situation through trade, right? It could be. Um, there's a few names out there. Do you want me to go through some of these ridiculous names? Yeah, I, I do want to point out that both you and I recognize these as being ridiculous. Okay. But go ahead. Matt Kemp, absolutely ridiculous. There's no way it's going to happen. Moving on. Let the 14-year-olds talk about that. Um, Carlos Gonzalez is a name that I've kind of thrown out. But again, I, I consider him more as a DH option as opposed to an outfield option. So Carlos Gonzalez cannot be a permanent full-time outfielder out there. Uh, I'm sorry. He just isn't healthy enough to be it. And uh, Colorado is also going to be asking for the for the sun and the moon for Carlos Gonzalez, which is somewhat ridiculous in my opinion as well. So Carlos Gonzalez, not on my list either. Go ahead, Jake. Next one. Uh, I've heard Justin Upton, which makes zero sense. Zero. Uh, he's available for one year. Um, again, I just don't see the Orioles being able to make that move. Plus, you know, the Braves are going to want a ton for him, and they just got Marcakis. They don't want to open up another hole in the outfield. I would agree. Um, here, here's a crazy one. And again, we're getting crazy here. Uh, Mr. Barbecue himself, Jonas Cespedes. Nope, not going to happen. I mean, right. what, are the, what are the Braves? What are the Red Sox really going to want? I mean, I don't the, know, but they're trying to move him. I, yeah, sure they are. But let, let let some other schmuck deal with that. That's not going to happen. Continue. Last crazy one that I'll bring up: another trade uh, candidate that's been brought up in the last week or so, Bryce Harper. Oh, that's bullshit! Don't even go about that way. We're just we're moving right on past that because that's never going to happen. Scotty, you blew it. That was a clown statement, bro. Thank you. No Thank problem. you. That's you know I ask for so little. All right, that that really I think brings this whole Nick Markakis discussion to a close. Look, the Orioles have some work to do. Fans are upset right now, and that, that's fine. You know, when uh, when Cruz signed with the Mariners, I posted something up at Bird's Eye View Baltimore where I said, you know, fans are really good at expressing their emotions and venting their frustration when something like this happens. And with Cruz, it was one thing. With Markakis, it's a totally different thing. You know, I'm okay with venting frustration. And, and, you know, emotion that you're going to miss Nick Marcakis because of what he's meant to this team. Go for it. But at the same time, as I think, Scott, you have so correctly pointed out, Nick Marcakis, objectively, from a baseball operations standpoint, is a commodity that can be replaced. And it is not the end of the world. The sky is not falling. I think that we've gotten to the point now where the Orioles have had three consecutive winning seasons after a bunch of horrible this, uh, seasons. And... One thing that this whole Marcakis move shows to me is that the baseball operations guys are running baseball operations. All right, much was made of the fact that 
Angelos was very fond of Marcakis. You know, he's a fan favorite, but he was also an ownership favorite. You know, Buck Showalter really wanted Marcakis back. And yet, Dan Duquette wanted him back for the right price, for the right deal, for the right number of years, for the right amount of money. And in the end, Duquette triumphed. He trumped both of those things, which I think shows, you know, who's really running things in the organization. And, and I think that's a good thing. What about you, Scott? Um, look, you're never going to hear Joe Walter come back and say, oh, I don't want this player because it's going to cost an extra $2 million. You know, Nick Marquez did provide certain intangibles and, you know, Buck's always going to be positive with his players. I mean, he was even positive about, you know, Abaldo Jimenez uh, multiple times last year as well. So you've got to take what Joe Walter says with a grain of salt. I have a feeling that Joe Walter and Duquette were both pivotal in this decision. And I think Duquette was constantly going to show Walter and say, do we want to make this move? It's probably overpaying him a little bit. And I think show Walter said, no, let, let him see what happens out there and let's see what he does. And, you know, maybe show Walter has regret, but I highly doubt it. All right. Well, you kept me in check when I, you know, did the ridiculous Christian Walker thing. Keep me in check here. Am I being an apologist for the organization when I say that three years of consecutive winning or, you know, gives them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt to go finish the offseason and see how they can build this team for 2015 before we freak out? Absolutely. We're not even at the winter meetings, folks. I mean, we got plenty of time here to figure out what's going to go on. As I posted over at Baltimore Sports Report, the Orioles still need to go ahead and uh, possibly trade one of their starters. So let's not get too worried too quickly. You know, we got plenty of time left in this offseason. Yeah. Um, one last thing that I, I wanted to hit before we, we wrapped up, Scott, uh, was this, you know, we talked about the player motivations. We talked about the club motivations for how we got to where we are. One last thing that I want to talk about with Nick Marquez leaving Baltimore is this, you know, Nick Marquez is, as we've said, a, a good player, uh, maybe an above average player, but he's not, he's not an MLB great. You know, he's not one of baseball's great players, but he is a slam dunk to be an Orioles Hall of Famer. You know, he he is a, a slam dunk to be an Orioles all-time leader in so many categories, offensively, defensively, whatever. With this deal, Nick Markakis gave up his chance to pad those stats, to entrench himself on or, Orioles leaderboards. He really, he really put aside his own personal legacy to go off and take this contract. And I think that's that's something that we ought to think about because I think it it kind of puts in perspective, you know, the business of baseball, but also where the negotiations between the Orioles and and Nick Markakis had gotten. I couldn't put it bad myself, really. I mean, that's a great summation for today in general, in my opinion. Well, hey, here we are. We are right before the winter meetings start. Orioles fans have had some bad news. In fact, you might say Orioles fans have had nothing but bad news at this point. But the, the offseason does not end here. And uh, Scott, bird's eye view does not end here. This is a little bit of an off-cycle extra innings uh, episode, but we will be back on A very Monday. long extra innings episode. <laughs> could, could we do it any other way? No, we like to stretch it out and make it long. We'll be nice back on Monday for more of that lack of insight and, and baseless opinion. And with that, Scotty, I, I have nothing else to do but then to bid Baltimore and beyond a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Let's hope that Andrew Miller doesn't sign with the Yankees.